when you first started coaching your own varsity soccer club, what was that first moment that was kind of like a welcome to varsity moment? The first time you realized this was a whole different level of competition. Yeah, I gotta tell you, that was that was a little scary for me because um, I had never played soccer before. Sure, had no idea what it was all about, and i i got a I got an offer right out of high, right out of college to go coach at Lumberton. I had oh, uh, yeah. I had met a the, the quarterback for Lamar was now the head coach, and name was Larry Haynes, and yep. he asked me, he said, "Look, come coach my defensive secondary, but I have something I need you to do." And, and when I found that out, it was, okay, I need you to be the head soccer coach. Uh, because <laughs> we, don't, we, don't, we don't have anybody else, and we need you to do it. And so it was kind of a scary ordeal, really. But, uh, man, it, it was a great first year. You know, people talk a lot about, you know, the fear of it. But well, I'll tell you what, uh, players love the game so much that um, essentially – they really helped me through. You know, I can remember yeah. times when uh, we got our first penalty kick and I was asking them, you know, how do we get more of those things? And we need those kinds of shots, right? That was easy. <laughs> you know, yep. stuff like that. So, um, but the year, I can remember, I'm sure you've you've seen the old Mayberry era. Is it Mayberry in part? I don't know. But that old, those old uh, old shows where, where people bring teachers pies, literally. Yeah. In Lumberton, they were so excited that they had a soccer coach there. They, I'd be out there coaching football, and people would bring me food and things like that to welcome the new the new soccer coach. They just they had, I mean, they didn't care if I knew anything or not. So they helped me get over that fear. It was a lot of fun. It always feel like I need one more bar and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, and sharing them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more bar and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, and sharing them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more bar and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy Alright, welcome back to another new episode of the Team Player Podcast This is episode number 43, believe it or not And today's guest is actually a recommendation of one of our early podcast guests Go back, way back to episode number 3, the Caitlin Riley episode And she told me, Kobo you have got to reach out to this coach at Deer Park. Jerry Hurtado is awesome. And so I did, and we set it up. He's in the middle of season, and he was so kind to give me his Saturday morning to record this episode. He's from my hometown, the sweetest city in the nation. He's from Sugarland, Texas, so I already know he's a good guy. Right. Please welcome Jerry Hurtado to the show. Thanks for coming, Coach. Thank you, Coach. Thank you much. Sir and Land one last thing. Go ahead, Coach. Sweet place. It is definitely a sweet place. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Another uh, team player podcast history. This is our first ever boys soccer coach. I've had some girls soccer coaches, but this, you're our first ever boys soccer coach. So that's something pretty big. If you're a part of the team player movement, please make sure you have given us a five star rating. We've got over 40 on Spotify and over uh, 30 on Apple Podcasts. So doing pretty good. Whichever platform you listen to, those five star ratings help help us find more people. The more ratings we get, the more reviews we get 
people find the show more easily. So we love to share coaches like coach uh, stories like Coach Hurtado's story. So please leave that review. It takes five seconds. Uh, if you want to leave a written review, you can, and I'll read those on the show. And then you hit the follow button to subscribe and get a new episode in your queue every Sunday. We'll be honored if the Team Player Podcast made it into your rotation. And I'm your host, James Kobaleski. Please follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kobo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. All right, Coach, let, let's, let's talk about your, your early life, man. My ears perked up when you said you went to Dulles. So you and I were both Sugar Land kids. I, I ended up graduating from Austin, you know, which did not exist. So I probably would have been a Clements Ranger at the time you were going right. through school. But right. I'm actually really curious about this. First, I want to know what year did you graduate from Dulles? And then I want you to describe to me what Sugarland was like. I think the people that live there now, what you're about to describe is going to be so foreign. I remember even when I was a kid, there was a lot more farmland and open space. I can only imagine what it was like when, when you graduated. You know, Sugarland, just to kind of give you an idea how fast it grew, um, all basically living in the same house. I graduated in 1983 from Dulles High School. Um, my my uh, brother two years later graduated from Clements High School in 85 yep. and my next brother graduated in 94 from Kempner High School living in the yeah. same house that's how fast it grew wow but I, I can tell you stories back when we used to get on our bikes and, and go down these dirt roads that would take us to Imperial Sugar Refinery from yep. from Woods yep. um and go to Rouse's Sugarland Drug to get us to get one of the good old Slurpees, and, yeah. and ride our bike back. It was just there was so much open space. I can remember Alkire Lake. You could go and fish. Wow. Um, you could actually ride your bike down a trail there and uh, and go fishing in Alkire Lake, uh, which is the lake right there by Imperial Sugar. Yeah, uh, I remember. Uh, I went to Lakeview Elementary, and it still stands today. So, I've been, yep. That, yeah, because the coach, it's funny. I actually went to Sugarland Middle School. I grew up in Barrington Place. I don't know if you knew that community, but okay, it's all yeah, in Eldridge. Right. Yeah, man. So I, I remember Lakeview, and because it's right near Sugarland Middle School. So I'm kind of now I'm starting to figure out what, what can you describe to me? And most listeners probably won't care about this, but I'm, I'm a fellow Sugarland native, so I'm interested. Kind of what part of town were you in? Where, 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 where did you grow up? We, I lived in right off Eldridge Road, uh, Covington okay. Woods is where Covington is Woods. I know yeah. that. Yes. One of my best friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know that area very well. I know Covington Woods, yeah. I drive by once in a while to see if it still exists. It's still there. And, uh, um, man, it was just it was a, just a great place to live. You know, it, um, I can remember as a kid swimming on the, the, the swim team. They would have, like, yeah. um, neighborhood tennis tournaments and basketball tournaments and things like that, everything for the kids to do. Uh, it was a great place. Um and we, I went to Sugarland Middle School also. Very cool. I walked yep. to school. I walked yep. to school. Yeah. Um, so it was, uh, and it, there was just so much to do as a kid. I don't, now I see all of that. It's just all built up and homes everywhere where we used to make our trails. I don't know if, if you, if they called this when you were, they called it this when you were playing, but the old Sugarland Middle School football stadium, when I was coaching in the district, we called that the Sugar Dome. <laughs> it's not a dome. <laughs> but that was what we no, called. No, no. Kempner Stadium was known as the Sugar Dome. I think that's got- there it is. Yep. Kemp, that's right. Yeah. It was called Kempner Stadium. And that, that's yeah. the weird thing, Coach. That part of town where you grew up, in my mind, that is Kempner territory. I can't even fathom the kids that lived there went to Dulles. But like you said, it was a different time and there right. was less schools. So mm-hmm. just really, really interesting. And 
And coach, you know, your story is really interesting. So you're, you're now a very successful head boy soccer coach at Deer Park, <clears> but just like Adam Ramirez, another one of our early guests, you're a football guy. You're like me. You're, we're kind of like Ted Lasso, right? You're coming, you right. really are like that hit show, Ted Lasso. You know, at the beginning, Coach Ramirez described he didn't know anything about soccer, you know, and uh, he he did he went on YouTube. He would go to clinics, and were were you kind of like Coach Ramirez? Where early on, once you were given that role, you you described how much fun you had and how much the parents welcomed you. But how did you gain the knowledge to be able to coach at that level? Well, for, before I could gain the knowledge, I had to gain the passion, and it was just yeah. so easy to do. I can remember the first time I ever met the kids uh, walking out um, out on the field in January because back then we started in January. It wasn't we didn't have that month period of practice. Started in January and our first game was two days later, so you didn't have a lot of practice. But man, just seeing these kids, it was freezing cold, uh, yeah. raining, and they were out there working and they couldn't yeah. wait to. So yeah. seeing the passion was great. And then at that point, I just fell in love with it. And I just want to learn more about the game. The kids were amazing. My, yeah. my first year uh, set of players, man, they, they helped me a lot. Um, they, they helped me, helped guide me through the game. Um, I went off and back then we didn't have a lot of, we wouldn't have videos like this. We had sure. mainly books. So you had to yeah. go to yeah. buy books and, and read up, but read up on them. And then, uh, get any information you could to to learn about it, but it was a passion, and I can't I can't describe it any more more than that. I think that you know people have a calling. Um, I loved football. I still coach football there, um, but but okay. uh, soccer became uh, a, a, the passion. Just kind of drove me to to learn more, and I couldn't put it down. Thank coach. I relate so much to you. And I, I coached for 11 years, and the fans of the show know that, you know, I, I was five years. I was a defensive coordinator at Ridgepoint, two years head football coach at Aldine High School. Ended up getting a little bit burnt out on it now. Now I'm in sales. I work for Dactronics, you know, selling scoreboards during the day. But I, I love the game, and so I do broadcasting. So I work for Texan Live or Vibes. I'm, I'm at games. I was at a game last night calling a basketball game at the M.O. Campbell Center for Aldine. You know, oh, so I still love it. I can't get away, but that was just like you, Coach. Football was my primary thing. But you can ask Coach Sniffin, my old boss, or anybody. I took my basketball job very seriously because that I, I saw it as like my program. This this freshman B team is my program, and so mm. I gained that passion just like you did, man. And so I just I love hearing that. So for any young coaches listening, I think sometimes young coaches maybe they their second sport they just see it as oh this is just something I have to do. Yeah. Can you speak to that a little bit as far as being a true consummate coaching professional? How should you approach your secondary sport assignment? You know, I, I I was I talked at a, a uh, at the THSCA convention this past summer. Yeah, and one of the things I I told them was, you know, look, I, I was football coach. I mean, yeah. when I first started, it, it was it was going to be football, but when I was introduced right. to soccer, um, it's it basically uh, you you could see the difference when when soccer season was upon us. It it uh, there was just a different feel about it for me. And I would say to all the young coaches, that's okay. It's okay to love your second sport. Yeah. I think back then it was like, you know, well, if football is your main thing. Okay, go do your thing and then come back to football. But then it's nothing wrong with loving that sport. And when, when you do, at some point in your career, uh, you'll have another choice. You can have the choice that I had. And after coaching 19 years, um, I decided just go straight soccer. But you'll yeah. have 
opportunity. Doesn't mean I hated football, didn't like it anymore. Like you said, I think a lot of people get a little bit burned out. Um, sure. And but um, I always said I would go back at some point, and I haven't looked back with soccer. I've I've absolutely loved it. So, coach, I want to ask one last question because you know about your 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 Fort Bend days and your Dulles days. Because I know you said you graduated in '83, mm -hmm. I believe. I mean. What year? I know Dulles did go to the state finals in football. Was it, and it was in the eighties. Was that? Were you a part of that? Or what year was that? Well, that that was actually I want to say it, it got a little bit later. Uh, Eighty nine, okay. I think. Eighty nine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, we went. To, we lost to uh, Austin Reagan at Kyle Field, as a matter of fact. Oh wow! Yeah. So yeah, you went deep in the playoffs. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Matt, you know, you you always no doesn't matter how far you go it's going to hurt no matter what. So yeah. unless you, Oh yeah. So I think all of us that played high school football, we can remember whether it was like you going deep in the playoffs or as a coach, I coached some games, some teams deep in the playoffs or even my team at Austin, we finished three and seven, my senior year. So mm -hmm. there was no playoffs, but all of us, whether we were on a good team, a bad team or whatever, we remember that last time when we hear that fight song for the, or the school song for the last time we're standing there swaying, holding our helmets. And we just, we realize this part of my life is over. And I think for us football players, I just the thing I flash back to isn't even the games. It was just those moments in the weight room after practice or going through, you know, offseason conditioning and doing mat drills, you know, and doing mm -hmm. stuff like that. That's what I flash back to. Like, man, that was my identity for so long. And now it's gone. Did you did you kind of have the same feeling? Oh, it's, it's like it's like all of a sudden it's over and you almost yeah. try to find yourself. You know, yeah. football had been everything you were really about for the longest time for four years of four years of high school. And I mean, it was, it was, it was when we weren't playing, we were, like you said, in, in the mat room, in the, uh, on the weights, doing whatever we needed to do to get better for the next football season. Once it's gone, it's over. I got a little, I got to tell you though, I use mat drills in soccer. And, Love and it. Love it. It's really been big for us. You should do a clinic on that coach. I, I yeah. guarantee you. Uh, now I know you agree with this because you said it makes mm -hmm. a difference, but like, I think it helps every athlete. Yes. Any sport. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are big on it. Um, we started it. Uh, I started when I, I did a little, little bit of it at Elkins High School. And yeah. then I left it, uh, just just never did it again. And I had a, a former player say, hey, coach, you still do those mat drills? It really helped us out. So I brought it back to Deer Park, and it has really helped us out big time, big time. And just contact, period. Absolutely. The toughness, the camaraderie to get through a tough workout right. together, the, the, the agility, you know, all of that yeah. stuff. But I mean, no, sometimes when I've coached other sports, you can see a difference in the way that football typically runs in offseason versus other sports. It just it's usually kind of evident where football is mm -hmm. is a lot more structured, almost militaristic in a way, a lot of structure, a lot of mm -hmm. discipline. And I've always I've always felt and I'm so glad that a high level soccer coach like you is agreeing. Like I've always felt there are things you can take from football. And I'm not saying football is better or anything, but there are little things you can take that I think will help bring more discipline and structure to any sport. And I, I see that you kind of took a little bit, some parts of your football mentality and your football background, and you've, you've, you've meshed it with your soccer program. So mm -hmm. any other last words you want to speak as far as if there are coaches listening that maybe are considering something like that, maybe, maybe you're a soccer coach listening and you're like, man, I don't know how to do that. Or I don't know if, I, if our kids are ready to make that jump. How would you, how would you advise them to try to make that transition of introducing some of those things like Matt room? I would say I was, uh, first of all, I would say, watch every program, see what they do in off season. Right there, I think for a long time we felt like we didn't need to have that, you know, that uh, that high intense athletic right. class. 
And, and I just think for me, it's, 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 it's what I've learned is that that was just completely wrong. Um, I've taken a lot of what football as the football used to do weight room. For example, we do yeah, hit the, yeah. um, we hit the mat room and just that intensity, that, that, uh, that excitement over who you're playing for and who you're playing with, uh, the brothers that you stand with, you know, that kind of thing on that mat, there's just something about it. And then there's, then of course, there's always that time, you know, that, that uh, you work in certain days in which hey, you're on the field all day. But even when you're on the field, um, we do things like a, a fitness set where it's a team building thing. There's so many things you can get from every sport that can make your particular sport even better in that offseason period. Don't waste it. Don't just roll the ball out and let's all play soccer. You know, let's let's get in there. Let's have a progression plan every day. One that, that begins with something that's going to uh, the kids will look forward to unite you and then break you into maybe uh, if you were doing mat drills, we might break off in, into the gym. We might be doing some type of small grid rondo work or something like that. But um, all of that can be brought into your program. I love that, Coach. And I just I wonder, you know, maybe some coaches listening, like maybe they're wondering, well, you know, maybe maybe in the past. Because off to me, off season is so important. To me, the off season yeah. is where you win the games. Like the yeah. stuff you do in your season, the work is done by then. I, I can see you nodding your head and you agree. But so for a coach listening and saying maybe, maybe in the past and off season we have done open field play. We just kind of roll the ball out, just let the kids scrimmage sure. a little bit, and they're worried about how will my kid, how will my soccer players respond to mat mm -hmm. room and me getting in their face and lifting weights. And so I'm curious, how did your kids respond? When you first said, "Hey, we're doing this," was it was it mutiny? Was it we love it? Was it some of both? What? How did how did they take it? You know, I started off when I came to Deer Park. Um, there, uh, there were some things that I saw right away. They they were kind of used to um, doing things a certain way. Um, at Elkins, I had always had that um, that that intensity with mat drills, and we did a thing called fifty fifty, um, which comes straight from football except I call it 50-50 and the fact that we're going to win the 50-50 ball. But it basically, yes. we start off sitting a certain way where your legs are crossed, your arm, your left arm is over your right arm. And that's very military. But, yeah. boy, it brings discipline to your team. And, and it really does bring pride. When they go and sit down, they know that they know where to go. They know how, what the, how they have to sit, how they stand when they're talking to the coach. Your arms are behind you. You're your your feet are together. That's mil very military. I got that from ROTC. Um, and we bring it in, and and you do push ups, you do sit ups, and then uh, then we'll then after that we'll stand up, and then we'll get into we'll get in soccer drills. That just brief moment if we're out on the field, uh, just just being organized, having yes. having some commitment at the very beginning of the of the practice every day. It pays off, and off season is huge. It's huge for what's going to come on, and you don't have time to waste. You don't. As soon as your season's over, you might take a week or so, week break or so, but you got to get going again. And kids need to see that commitment from you, man, coach. I could talk to you all day about this. We could, we could really dive into because I love it. I love it, and I cannot. I want to watch your team play someday because I just know you're. You may be a minority 
mm-hmm. outside of football running this kind of offseason. I would just love to see that. And the, the, the word that I like the most is pride. And I totally agree with you. There, I think that the kids probably liked having some structure. I think kids want structure. Mm-hmm. They want to feel part of something and be proud of what they're producing. And so I just, I love that. But one last question I have on, on this offseason component. A lot of times in sports outside of football, like a baseball or a basketball, kids feel pressure from whether it's stuff they hear from a, a, a select coach or something about you don't need to lift weights or we don't you don't want to get too bulky for this sport. And my answer always, especially for a soccer player, you're burning so many calories in your training if you're running. I mean, you're not yeah. going to get like just bulky lifting weights, right? It, it just doesn't work that way unless you're doing something illegal, right? That's not happening. But I always, I always look at people like Giannis Antetokounmpo or Steph Curry in the NBA. If you watch them over their career, they have packed on muscle and their game only gets better. Same thing in the MLB. These are not little, small guys. Aaron Judge is not a small man. Muscle helps you. And like you talked about winning those 50-50 balls, I imagine in soccer, that's where you have an advantage. Your team mm-hmm. is probably physically tough and you go win those 50-50 balls because you're strong, you know, and you have that muscle. So I'm just curious, your thought on the whole weightlifting debate. How do you have you heard that in the past? Have you had some players challenge you and say, Coach, I don't want to get too bulky? Or just can you weigh in on the weightlifting debate for soccer? It's not a football thing. If you're not lifting weights, you're falling behind. Period. If you're not, if your kids are not in the weight room, you're falling behind. You know, you you can go off maybe and, and, um, and, you know, maybe you'll get through, get through district. Uh, just depends in our district. You're not going to get through district unless you're in that weight room. Bottom line, you've got to get stronger. I mean, our district is strong. Um, I was just telling the boys, we're going to play Allen the second game of the season. Wow. Uh, wait till you see those big boys, okay? Yeah. You better be in the weight room. You better be there, you know, because we're going to have to go in. We're planning on going to play, you know? And if, if, you, if, you, have, if you have the mindset that uh, weight, weightlifting is a football thing, then you have the wrong mindset. And you know what? Who cares? I've always said that to the idea that, oh, that's a football thing you're doing. What's a football thing? The fact that I'm getting them organized, the fact that I'm making them committed, the fact that I'm teaching a little discipline. Um, we run a we run a, a, a group on Monday, Monday afternoons where we call it Generation Men and we make them read a book and, and we talk about those kinds of things. That's not a yeah. That's not a quote soccer thing. There's nothing. There's nothing titled about soccer thing. It's a yeah. coaching thing. It's Love running it. a program. We're running an athletic program trying to develop men to play a game. And what that game in doesn't matter. I believe our athletes could go and play in any sport they wanted, and have right. that with with that kind of discipline and commitment. I think they could get it done. So I'd say to coaches, don't worry about all that. Don't worry about what a club coach said. I had a I had a club just yesterday. I had a, a mom tell me their club doesn't want to play in high school, and I'm like, "Wait, you know that's what? another that's- one, coach. Uh, let, let, let's let's go uh, into that and please please finish the story because that that happens a lot to a lot of my friends. Yeah, uh, uh, it, that's a, you know that's a tough one. I'm, I'm like, you know, um, and she said, "But my son is just just even against me. I've told him he doesn't need to play high school, but." Um, he's gone against us and he wants to play for you coach and he wants to play in your high school program. And he told his coach that he wasn't going to along with three other players that are on that same team. So um, we're, we're excited and and we're along with him and we're committed to your high school program. And I'm like, you know, I I just want him to be a part of the high school program. I'm not asking him to quit club. There's going to be time for club. 
I'm just, yeah. we just need commitment to. There's nothing wrong with that. So don't worry about all that. If a kid wants to play, great. If not, you got you got a bunch of others that really do want True. to play. So, True. And I think when they see that, brother, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. When they realize, you, you, you know, look, we'll go with what we got. Those other players will come back. Man, I love all that. And I'm just curious just because I think some coaches listening will be interested because especially in like volleyball <clears throat> is a big one. You know, sometimes girls basketball, mm-hmm. even sometimes wrestling. Sometimes you know some of the club mm-hmm. wrestling kind of suit. when there when there is a date conflict. You you kind of mentioned that you just work it out, but a little more specifics maybe for some of our coaches that are interested. How what advice do you give as far as how do you work those out? Is it maybe hey district games are off limits? You got to commit to me, but if it's preseason, we can maybe work. You know how 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 do you handle those conversations? You probably don't want to hear this from me. Uh, I I had a coach last night talk to me. We we had a scrimmage last night. And- yeah. Uh, he had he had uh, seven kids that left left to uh, Mexico. They left to, yeah. and he had a game last night. So he had some, he had some kids. And it's for me a scrimmage. Bottom line, it, you need to be there. I sit parents down at the very beginning of the year. We have this conversation. Yeah. Club club season is here. Uh, once okay. we yeah. start, once we start high school season, I, I I'd expect you to be there. Period. I don't yeah, care. Yeah. If we're in pre-district or if we're in um, we're in the season or we're in the playoffs, if you choose to if you choose to to uh, not be there because you have a a club game, well, that's the decision you make. Because right now we want you committed to high school season, and that would be for any sport. I could not imagine me going to uh, coach uh, um, to to coach Bolin and saying, "Hey, um, I can't. Uh, I, I got a club." I got a club football game. I can't play this Friday. Sure, sure. You know, I can't imagine ever doing that. And I don't expect a soccer player to do it either. So, you know, I think if you communicate that early in your season, right. you let them know where you stand, they can make that decision on whether or not they really want to follow through with high school, with high school soccer. But the more you allow it to happen, uh, it's going to destroy your program. And that, and that happened to me a few, few years early. So, so you learn from a, you learn from an experience. Yeah, I just said there's no there's no decision here. I'm not going to weigh high school soccer against against uh, a, a club. You know, I'm not going to do that. Nor would if it's club season. I'm not going to interrupt your club. Sure, season. you can do it. But when we start high school, um, it's it's time to it's time to put forth the effort. Now I know that, like for example, I think we had Eastern District and State in club. Um, but that's still in a situation where we're not playing games on Saturdays and things like that. They have all that practices. Um, we practice during the week. We expect you to be there. So love it. No, I mean, and I, this is the great debate in your mm-hmm. areas that have such a big club involvement and football has been kind of untouched, but club flag football is rising. You know, seven on seven stuff is rising. And so football coaches are starting to have to deal with that in the summer a little bit and, and where the kids yeah. are going. But I've heard, <laughs> I've heard both sides, you know, your side is, Hey, we're going to make our team's a priority. Our team is not choice one B, you know? Mm-hmm. So during our season, it's, it's, it's us. And if you choose not to no hard feelings, uh, you know, it sounds like right. it just, you know, I'm not going to, I still love you the same, but you have to commit. This is a, this is a privilege to be a part of the team. And then I have heard some coaches say that they do give a, they do. And maybe it's not necessarily in soccer, but maybe in, in some other, like a volleyball or something. Sometimes they do allow to go to a big tournament, but I like what you're doing, coach. I just feel mm-hmm. like you've set clear boundaries and you're, 
you were clear about it at the beginning. And I think people just got to make their choice. I just, I don't think that, again, everybody has their own program, you know, and everybody runs it, you know, that you have to run it your own way. Um, basically how it fits you, you know, my big thing here is commitment. I think that, um, I think if you ever came to our program or just came to watch us, that's the big thing we talk about is commitment. And we expect that commitment, you know, when it, when it's our season. And I've seen so many coaches complain about, they get into the playoffs and, and uh, they've got kids that are going to, um, they're going to a tournament, Dallas cup or something like that. Yep. Well, that means you didn't, you didn't state your claim early. Sure. We don't have that problem. We just don't. And we have players that play at a very high level, but everybody understands that, that, Hey, we are a team and we're going to stay a team all the way through. And you have the option of not playing. I've had players that, decided to play decided just to play club because of those comments right and yeah we in friendships i mean they come visit me you know in my off period absolutely just, talk about grandpa talk about yeah doesn't mean we can't be friends it just means that um, you're unable to commit to our program right now and i'm going to cheer you on for whatever you do um i just want you committed to something so i love it and you know a lot of times i've heard these players that and they you mentioned you had some players choose you over club. And mm -hmm. I saw the same yeah. thing at Ridgepoint. I told you we had a high level soccer player named Jordan Davies and he mm -hmm. was in the dynamo Academy right. and they didn't want him playing football. He told mm -hmm. them, no, this mm -hmm. is my high school experience. I want to be a part of the, he, he was our kicker on the football team. He said, I want to be a part of it. And then same thing in, in soccer. He, he chose high school soccer and right. he was a, a star for us. And a lot of times these players, you hear them saying like, yeah, these big tournaments are great. I understand there's a lot of eyeballs on me, mm -hmm. but we're just playing the sport. We don't have that feeling of camaraderie and that feeling yeah. of representing our school and our peers in the student section cheering for us in a, in a playoff game you know it's they don't have that that's why they love high school soccer Ooh, you know it, yeah so i i love it i could talk to you all day about it but let's let's go into your background a little bit i actually okay. was at lumberton high school yesterday i actually was dropping off okay. an antenna board so i it's just too funny that you started lumberton but then you mentioned elkins <clears throat> what year at elkins so I, I left lumberton in 99 um to take a job, uh, Coach Boland was uh, Andy Boland. He was he was yes. the coach when I was playing at Austin. I remember yeah. Andy Boland. Yeah, well, Coach Boland asked me to uh, asked me to come back home, and uh, my mom was was sick, so it was a it was a really good time for me to to make my move back. So Elkins was uh, just around the corner from where my mom lives, so uh, it turned out just to be a great a great thing for me. Um, so I went to Elkins High School, and uh, needless, I just I had no idea what I was running into. Um, I ran into a, just a tremendous group of athletes uh, that uh, had already been to the to the finals, the regional finals, and lost on penalty kicks. Um, and uh, just just a tremendous amount of really good players. Marcus Story was in that bunch. Yeah. They had won uh, in club. They were on the. They won the Snickers Cup back then. I think that was the national championship back then. So uh, went back home. We coached at Elkins back in two thousand to two thousand. It was two thousand year two thousand. Was my first Man, year so there. You, and you said you were coaching football as well at that time. Yes. Yes. So this is a team player podcast. First, you coached against me as a player. Right. But I'm trying. That's what I'm kind of figuring out right now. So I'm trying to remember some of the names that I remember from my grade, like uh, Leatherwood, your fullback, mm -hmm. David Leatherwood, right? yeah. David Leatherwood, tough little fullback. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Felicio Flores was another running back I remember, and yes. uh-huh. Ronnie Hole was a big old tight end you had. So yeah, I could I go all day uh-huh. naming names here. Uh, Ronnie Hole, we had Ronnie Booker in the back. We had um, yeah. goodness, just several, just really good athletes back then. Yeah, but now Austin was good too. So Austin, Austin yeah. was built right. So those yeah. were all good games in that district. It was fun. It was it was fun. When we had to play in the Astrodome. Uh, yeah. And I, for me, it wasn't, we didn't get to play Elkins. We played Kempner one year and we played Terry mm-hmm. the next year. But that's what we did. Yeah. That was our Astrodome experience. I absolutely hated that. But it was a dump. Hey, the, the, it was like the worst <laughs> playing surface. We played. <laughs> you could, yeah. You'd walk over, you could hear like it was like hollow underneath. <laughs> so I'm right. like, what is this? Well, I could not believe we had kids playing on that turf, but Hey, yeah. you know, the kids love the enjoyment, I guess. So kids like us that played in the Astrodome era, all of us, have these marks on our forearms and we all right. wore those big uh, black <laughs> rubber sleeves because we've all got those, those right. stories of, of destroying our, our elbows as we fell to the AstroTurf. But Absolutely. and the cool thing that you being at Elkins, it makes me smile because I ended up coaching at Ridgepoint for five years. And so mm-hmm. a lot of those kids you're describing, like they probably would have been Ridgepoint Panthers maybe. I don't know exactly where yeah. they live, but we our, our boundary was made up of Elkins kids and Hightower kids that lived in Siena. So if, yeah. any, and if any of your kids were Siena kids, they would have, you know, would have been Ridgepoint. Yep. Just like when I think of you, where you lived, you should have been a Kentner Cougar. But, right. you know, <laughs> it was a different time, a different mm-hmm. time for sure. And so then after Elkins, was it straight to Deer Park or did you have another stop in between? Kind of an interesting thing. I really wanted to be a head football coach. At that point, I was, I, there was some openings coming up. Um, Kentner had just opened up and uh, I took my chances with it. And then uh, just didn't really interview real well. And I'll, I will say this, uh, one of the reasons I think because I just, in the back of my, my heart, I didn't want to leave soccer. I, I know yeah, that sounds, yeah, yeah. if you can't really be, I tell the boys all the time, if you're really not committed, it'll show. And I think it showed. And uh, I, I got a call shortly after that from Jerry Creel. And he said, hey, um, wow. how about just coaching soccer? And I'm yeah. like, what do you mean? I can't do that. He said, well, we can make it worth your while. Come to Deer Park, just coach soccer. I'm, I've never heard of that before. Yeah. And I asked my my uh, coordinator if it was possible that I just coach soccer, if I even had that opportunity in Fort Bend. He said no. So that's when I went to Deer Park. I went, and uh, man, I, it's it's been what a wonderful wonderful change for me. Um, Deer Park, it, it's a it's a it's just a different place it's a it's a great place to work i totally agree with you i actually broadcast a game this year it was deer park against clear brook in football i broadcast a Mm -hmm. game there from clyde abshire stadium and uh i'm drawing a blank on the name of your coach uh coach austin flynn right yes austin flynn austin Mm -hmm. flynn i know that he's an alum i think he's like my age maybe class of 02 from from deer park i know he played iowa state you know was a a big time player he gets it right he understands that deer park community because i i was watching the sideline you had the whole little league football program was standing in the end zone yep. watching the varsity kids warm up and they got to run through mm-hmm. the tunnel, you know, run through uh, with the players. And I just saw so many people decked out in maroon and gold. And I'm just like this. I think a lot of people sleep on Deer Park. I mean, you, you think about, you know, the big like the Katie mm-hmm. or whatever, but Deer Park also has that kind of small town championship feel. It really does. It is huge. And, you know, yeah. Austin Flynn. Has just, I mean, he's done a great job of bringing that to the community. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. I mean, here's a, um, 
at the very beginning of the year, he, he has me come out and do some, um, uh, what do you call it, when you when they bid for things, I'm the auction. announcer. Yeah, he has me so, do yeah. the auction. Yeah, yeah. And it's amazing how many, he has, he has little games for players, to, for little kids to come out, get out on that yeah. stadium. It, it's amazing how many people come out in the community just like that's a some type of uh, a rodeo going on. I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's amazing they come out and support it. But um, he really gets the community involved. And so, um, I mean, it, it, Deer Park's just that way. I always say it's uh, it's the Deer Park way. I always tell them that. It's uh, yeah something that's just real special for soccer players, you know. Looking up into the stands on a we're in the regional semifinals and looking up because we have that's kind of a home field advantage for us. Yeah. Looking up fans and just seeing the Deer Park fans come out. I mean, it's like you're playing in front of a football packed house. It's their coach. Rem- I could have sworn one year when I was at Clements, our mm-hmm. team made it to play y'all, right? Did you play? Did you play Clements High School one year in a, deep into the playoffs? Yes. Uh huh. Yeah, it was like – I remember going to that game. You Y'all got the better of us because you right. got a hell of a coach over there. But uh, yeah. it was like a – like you said, it was like a football game. Our team traveled really well, and obviously your fans. Yeah, I it remember was, that. It was amazing. We I looked up in the stands, and I'm like, wow, we got a good turnout. And I look over there, and Clemens yeah. had a good turnout. And yeah. we're playing at home. And it's like – I mean, in your place that year. And yeah. uh, I don't know which – because there was three years in a row, Coach. So I we went played. to the one at Abshire. I went to the one of Abshire. Okay. I, I wasn't present for the the one in yeah. Ben. And it was a packed house on both sides. It was great. And yeah. uh, when we went over to their place, it was the same way. So, but we rotated and they won state the year they beat us in the regional quarterfinal. Yeah. Yeah. That was after I had left. That's right. Yep. Yep. And so for me, I'm kind of like you. I mean, I'm a football guy. I, one thing I, I, just, I forgot to talk about this earlier, but growing up, you know, you grew up in the 80s. I grew up kind of in the 90s. I, I, I'm kind of ashamed to say it. I'm sure you probably experienced some of the same thing, but I have to say our football coaches were not very kind to soccer. You know, no. the, the old, the old kind of joke. And again, I'm kind of ashamed to say this, but the joke that they used to always say was soccer is a communist sport and kind of laugh at it, you know, and you know, like if there were soccer goals out at our practice field, they would like, you know, knock them over, kick them out of the way. And it, it was a very adversarial relationship growing up as a kid in the eighties and nineties as a football mm-hmm. player versus a soccer player. Right. That's the way that we grew up. And I hate that. I hate that it was like that. And mm-hmm. so I never was too into soccer growing up. I, as I got older and started, you know, getting more, you know, following the world cup and the Olympics and things, I, I started, okay, this is pretty cool. But then it's when I got to Aldine high school, when I got to Aldine high school and I was the head football coach at camps, athletic coordinator, you, do you know, coach Melvin Badajona pretty well? Maybe have, have you run I, across him? No, I'm, I mean, I, he's the one at Aldine, right? He's at Aldine. Yeah, I was at Aldine, yeah. the, the original. Yeah. And so coach Badajona was our coach. And so, He's he a, was just a, such uh, a pleasure go. to work with. He he, <laughs> he was a great, great yeah. guy. He's got a heck of a team. I say kind of, yeah, they got a great team out there. Mm-hmm. And we went to the regional, I think we went to the regional final my first year. And, and I remember, I just, I remember like going to every single playoff game. I know we beat like Cy Springs in the first round and a big comeback victory. And we just kept going and going and going. And I think we might've played our Bart. regional final at Abshire. You beat Wasn't it? You beat we did, Bart. didn't we? That's right. Final, yes. Yeah. That was. I was sitting on that sideline cheering on my (laughs) soccer coach. (laughs) My memory is so bad. I'm sorry, but I. I, I, So I've been to Deer Park twice for big soccer games, but uh, at that moment when I saw those Aldine Mustangs, Mm -hmm. those kids, and got to know them better, that's when I really fell in love with soccer. 
mm-hmm. it's such a beautiful game. I also ended up marrying a girl that played collegiate soccer. So that also added to my soccer right. fandom. And so now I've got season tickets for the Dynamo and the Dash. And I love supporting and I'm watching the World Cup and I, I, I root for all my teams. Um, obviously, USA. I'm half Japanese. You may not tell by looking at me, but my mom's Japanese. Mm-hmm. I was actually born in Tokyo. So awesome. I rooted for Samurai Blue. They had a great World Cup this year. So proud of them. Right. And then you can tell by my last name, my, my dad's Polish. So okay. Poland, you know, Lewandowski finally got his first goal and everything this year. Right. And they got out of the group. stage. all three of my teams got out of the group stage. So it's been <clears> fun. But I'm like you, coach. I'm a football guy that found the love for soccer. I hate that we were so inward insulated thinking back then in the 80s and mm-hmm. 90s. It's just I think times are changing. I don't think people feel that way anymore. Do you, do you want to speak to that any bit? Because I saw you nodding your head when I was kind of describing what it was like growing up in that time. Yeah, you know, I, I can remember when it first started. You know, a, a lot of football coaches just hated it. Yeah. Know? And uh, uh, literal sense, many, I can remember when, when I when they put me in that, you know, that I think the idea was that, um, you know, Larry wanted me to grow it. But I think there was a lot of, there was a lot of animosity that wanted me to just kind of, uh, yeah, don't don't worry about practicing. Don't don't worry about that kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. it, you do all that, maybe maybe it'll go away, kind of thing. But I was told a story um, that essentially, when soccer first started, or when they finally put soccer into UIL, they put it into the winter because of the fact they didn't feel like um, we would get out there and, and that it would survive uh, because wow. the cold. Because everywhere else, you look at you look at every other state, they always they play it in the fall with football. Yeah. But you know, Texas football wasn't gonna go for that. And 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 again, yeah. not, not yeah. it was just we changed, you know. But yeah. it's like you put it in the wintertime and hey, these guys aren't gonna go out there in shorts and wet yeah. and but they just didn't yeah. understand watching. And uh it's grown and yes last it has Last night we played in, in 50 degree weather with it being cold and nobody wanted to quit, you know? Yeah. So yeah. And so it doesn't matter. I think anything, it made us stronger. There's no doubt about that coach. The soccer players play in the worst mm-hmm. weather. When, by yeah. the time football's over, it's, it, it's in Houston, it's still warm in November a lot of the right. time. And so mm-hmm. I've been to so many times, you know, again, as an athletic coordinator, I went to all the coach Barahona's games and coach Keel, mm-hmm. the girls soccer coach. I, I'd be, I love both those guys so much. And I became a big soccer, a big soccer head, you know, big fan. And yeah. those were when I was the coldest was watching my soccer teams. My, yeah. you know, my, it's just miserable weather. That's when it gets really bad in January and February, you know? So I hate that. If that, if that really, if that's the reason, which I don't, I don't doubt what you're saying is true. I just hate that. That was the way yeah, that rumor I'd heard. And, yeah. and the thing is, I do want to say this, and you know, we were talking about coach Flynn, but yeah, she's a, last few head coach they've all loved soccer you yeah. know yeah and the thing is is they do so much uh, all the coaches you know they, all football coaches I, I i it's hard to meet a football coach that that talks down on, on any sport anymore yes but we've become so hey let's get our kids to help out here and here and here we're much more willing to to share athletes and and make it work but man everything's been positive and, and yeah and coach then actually my son kicks so very he allows, cool. him kick, he allows him to kick football and stay in the period and um well that's it that's that's amazing you know that's just somewhere yeah. it used to be it was look if you're going to play football you will be in this period and now they they try to make it work any way they can i don't coach flynn does it's, it's i have a lot of respect for him and the good thing is coach flynn knows that he's getting yeah. a football style 
experience yeah. in the soccer period. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, he know yeah. he, to me that's trust. He knows Coach Hurtado is not just rolling the balls out here, and these guys are lifting weights. And so he that that that, that I love hearing, Coach. And so much we hear so much negativity sometimes in our world, but there's a lot of good things that happen, and things get better too. Like that example of a head soccer coach and a football coach working together that's beautiful the fact mm-hmm. that coaches aren't talking down on soccer anymore like when we grew up that's beautiful right that that's a sign mm-hmm. of progress and change and so those are positives but i have i have to go a little bit negative here cuz i always ask this question on the show recently i was sitting at a at a basketball game i was going to do a broadcast and i happened right. to be sitting right. behind some parents and it was it drained me coach honestly by the time i left i or by the time they left i felt like i just felt angry and kind of frustrated because the entire time coach yelling questioning the, the coach questioning th- their, their team's coach questioning his subbing talking about players in the team saying that they, they they're bad or whatever talking about kids i'm like come mm-hmm. on you know yelling at officials constantly even when it's a quiet basketball gym you can hear everything that's going on ragging on the officials and i'm just like man this can't be fun and i, I hate seeing experiences like that obviously as a coach i kind of was aware of some of that stuff but now that i'm a broadcaster I almost hear it more because now I'm not busy coaching. I'm just sitting in the stands, you know, right next to him. And I hear what's going on. And I've got a seventh month old son. I've, I've just became a dad for the first time. I kind of dread being a parent and having to be around some of these, what I call bad sports parents. Mm-hmm. Now, here's my question for you, coach. I understand those people when they behave like that, they're doing it because they love their kid. They love their kids so much that they just want everything to go right for their kid. And I, 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 kind, I kind of understand that. But I think my coaching background makes me see things from a different perspective. I think when you engage in behavior like that, you're making it a, a negative experience for your child. I think it's not going to be the, the maximal experience for your child when you're just constantly questioning the coach or yelling at officials and getting ugly, really. So that's my question to you, coach. If, I hope some parents listen to this podcast, too. What advice would you give to a parent? You've been in the game a long time. You are a dad now. You have a, a son that plays two sports. What, what advice would you give to parents to allow at the end of the day, want the kid to have the best experience. So what, what advice do you give to a parent? What kind of behavior should they exhibit for the kid to have the best experience? It's great to love your kid. I mean, you have yeah. to love your kid and, and, but loving your kid doesn't mean, um, it doesn't, doesn't mean that um, you protect them from, from um, the bumps and the skids and the fails. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my son came to me, this year, my, 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 my younger one and said, dad, I'm, I'm probably not going to, I'm probably not going to play much. I said, I don't care. Go play. I'll be in the stands rooting for you and I'll be yelling your name. And then we'll be yelling for the team when you just get there out you there go. and play. And I said, that's what else do you have to worry about? I think we don't put so much pressure in your kid to the point where playing time becomes the, becomes the factor. You know, um, I asked the referee if I could play 15 players. They didn't let me do it. I can only play 11. I can only play yeah. one goal. They just won't yeah. let me play. Yeah. Um, so uh, blame it on the referee or blame it on UIL or blame it on whoever yeah. created the sport. <laughs> we can only play 11 at one time. And you know what? Maybe your kid's not there. So I, I say to you, it's okay to it's okay to um, for your kid not to be the star. I think yeah. it's uh, – I think what you look at them and say, hey, they are the star. They're playing on a team. Yeah. They're sticking with the team. They're a part of something. Look at the growing part of it. But uh, let the coaches coach. Let the coaches coach. Let the players play. Um, 
Let them be a part uh, of a team and they'll learn so many great things. But the more that, uh, the more that you, you bark up that tree, the more that you keep complaining, the worse you make it on your son. You embarrass him. You embarrass yeah. your is what you're doing. Uh, and I've had that situation this year already. Um, yeah. You're going to have that every year with a coach, you know, because parents just think that, uh, well, obviously they, with, they know it all. I mean, obviously, um, sure. because they're involved, right? Yeah. Um, I'm, I take a pretty strong stand and I'm not very popular with it, but eventually they, they get the idea. I don't, if I see a kid listening to parents in the stands, I make them go sit with their parents and Love it, it. It, yeah, go sit Love with your parents. You know, right now, dad needs to talk to you, you know, cause I've actually had on the field, I've had dads on the side trying to coach their kid and I'll pull them off. Hey, look, you know, why don't you go up there, up there and, Listen to what dad has to say. Maybe next game we can get this right. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm pretty strong with it. And I let the parents know their job is just support, love, and, and enjoy the game and support the team. This is not an individual sport. It's a team sport. And I've had parents come up to me and say, well, you know, will my kid ever play on, on Friday night? And I said, I can't guarantee anything like that. But your kid plays on Monday. Tuesday, Monday, yeah, Wednesday, yeah. and Thursday, and that gate is open. You can come watch your kid, come take pictures on the field. He plays three days a week. Uh, three three out of the five nights a week, he's out there playing. Um, so come out and take pictures. He's even in a uniform. Come out and practice. You come out and watch anytime you want. So um, I'm letting you know when he's playing. Come out and watch it. So – but you're right. It's it's getting out of control, and we're losing good coaches and good teachers. You know, it's happening to teachers too. You know, where uh, parents feel like they know better, and I know. you're you're taking that idea of what we talked about earlier. You're taking that idea of commitment, and you're making a kid question it, and um, that can that can really hurt the kid. So. I say just enjoy the game. Enjoy the game. Man, Coach, I totally agree with you. So many things you said. And, you know, in that example I gave, those parents are so mad about the coach's subbing pattern or this, that, and the other. Little do they know he's a great husband and father and person. And he's good for those kids. That's all that matters. That's really all that matters in the end is that they have a positive experience. They learn discipline and structure and organization and pride in themselves. And so I totally agree with you. And the cool thing about hosting this podcast, I get to hear all these high-level coaches from all these sports. And, you guys are all cut from the same cloth. All the yeah, stuff you yeah. just said, I'm having flashbacks of things that my other guests have said. Um, Lakeisha Dickerson, the head girls coach at Fort Ben Austin, my alma mater, he talked about, um, you know, when parents say, well, you never give my kid a chance in the game. He, he said what you said. Well, no, they get their chance on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. <laughs> you know, she's like, yeah. I'm a, she's like, I'm always watching and I'm charting everything. And so mm -hmm. I, I'm evaluating. They get their chance. But at the end of the day, the game you know, not to sound like Herm Edwards, but you play to win the game on varsity, right? Yeah. You know, and so sometimes yeah. a coach has to make tough decisions, right? And then also, I know you you coach, uh, I'm assuming you, your district also has Pasadena ISD in your 22 yes. day, famous football. Uh, I don't know if you know Carmen Solis Martinez. She's the head uh, volleyball coach at Pasadena High School. Okay. She took her girls' volleyball team in back-to-back playoffs. It's the first time in like 30 years, coach. I mean, mm -hmm. she's make history over there. And the thing she told me on her episode was there's four roles in a soccer game. Coach, 
player, official, and fan, and parent, which is fan. It's like you said. Your job is to just cheer. Let the other people coach, call the fouls, and play. <laughs> you know, that's it's good. like, and that's one thing, coach. I was, you know, I know in the World Cup, Japan made a lot of news because their their team cleaned up their locker room and it left it so perfectly, and the Japanese fans picked up all the trash. I want to tell you one thing I love about Japanese sporting culture and all the listeners. Because I've been to Japan a couple of times being half Japanese and I've gone to some uh, baseball games and I went to an American mm-hmm. football game there. It's really cool. Those fans in Japan, they honestly feel like that that is their job is to cheer. And they feel like they take responsibility that if we cheer harder, it's going to help the team play better. And so that's all they do, coach. I went to a basketball game there. They have organized cheering sections that they have drums, like kind of like a soccer game, but it's, it's, it is like a soccer game. It's like the Dynamo, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, Batalon, you know, like they just cheer the entire time. So they're not, they don't have time to waste complaining about play calls or booing or doing this, that and the other. Right. They feel like their job is to cheer. And that's what you're saying, right? Parents should just support and help their kids feel better about themselves and go win the game. Right. Absolutely. You know, you, um, has to be, you, you have all sorts of situations and, and club plays a factor here too. You know, these kids come from, come from clubs and they, they were the star in that club. Right. And, and then they come here and they're not the star. Um, they're not getting quite the playing time. They're not playing the same position. It amazes me how many kids become positional players in club and it, and they get to high school and it's like, okay, well, I've got, a lot of people that play that same position. How about playing left back? Or how about playing right back? Um, those kinds of things. And, and it's just, they're identified with one thing. And they were playing so much in club. Parents want to know, well, what happened? You know, well, this is a different team. It's a different team. And all of those clubs that are out there that are in the re- area, they're here. They've arrived. So. Yeah. I love that, Coach. And, um, you know, I, I think there's so many good morsels you, you drop there and, uh, I hope it gets better because I, I agree with you. I mean, I've had a lot of coaches tell me that are still in the game, you know, it, it seems like it's getting worse, but hopefully we can, we can see change. And this is now that we've, we've talked a lot about coaching. This is the fun part of the show. We get to just know you a little bit better. You say your favorite premier soccer team is Liverpool yeah. and, uh, yeah. And did, uh-huh. how are they doing right now? they're kind of in a transitional phase, but they'll always be at the top, right? Yeah. But I just love the way they – I love the way they attack. I'm, yeah. I love that. But uh, they still are able to attack and maintain a good organized defense, defensive way. And there's that appreciation for the clean slate, you know, that um, yeah. I, just, I just have loved that tradition. Now, remember, uh, I started late in this game, so uh, – I started being introduced to these a little bit later in Liverpool. Right. Well, I got to tell you, I liked I, I liked their uniforms and their color first, and then kind of followed that way through. <laughs> Coach, that is too <laughs> that is too funny because I have a similar story. And one, yeah. Everton is the other town, other other club in Liverpool, right? And they're struggling. Uh-huh. Right, Everton is struggling, right? Okay, yeah. uh-huh. just make sure I get that right. But I did the exact same thing, Coach. And I don't want to sound like a homer. I, I picked Man City. And right. it's another reason I love being at Aldine. I just and I love just like you. I love the Oilers. I love yeah. that that Columbia blue jersey. So when I was when I see it, I was like, oh, I like that team. But this was before all like the you know 
investment from these investors and they bought the bought all the best players like it used to be kind of more like the working man's team right and so anyhow i got in i got into it solely because of the color i I chose man city as my premier league team and now they're really good but it's kind of it doesn't feel as fun when you're just buying a bunch of players i guess but uh but anyhow so that you love liverpool you know you've mentioned you've been dynamo season ticket holder and then growing up, you're a big Oilers and Astros fan. Obviously, all of us, we love the Astros, right. another World Series. Um, right. I just love the way they run the organization. But now you say you actually, you're a, this is what, this part I love about you, Coach. You're a <laughs> Titans fan. Yes. I also, I am not a Texans fan. People can't understand. They ask me, right. like, they think like, I'm such a big football fan. I say, I'm a Detroit Lions fan, which right. is pretty, we've had a lot of losing seasons. But I, ever since the Oilers left, I never got into the Texans. Mm-hmm. And I always liked Barry Sanders growing up as a kid. And so I kind of liked the Lions. And then my wife is from Michigan. So now I've just bought in. I'm, I'm a big Michigan Wolverines fan. I'm a big Detroit Lions fan. But I don't like the Texans. And sometimes yeah. some of my friends from other cities don't understand that. But I, I can relate to what you're saying at the Titans. Uh, of course, Dynamo, Astros, and Rockets. But let's let's dig into that Oilers a little bit. Okay. We always, at the end of the game, we play a thing called start bench cut. So I'll give you three names. You got to start one, bench one, and cut one. So you're kind of ranking players. Let's do a love you blue edition. So before we jump into it, I can you just tell me because I when I was growing up, I went to the Astrodome to watch the Oilers, but I was still a little bit younger, you know, mm-hmm. so I don't have great memories. Can you just describe that love you blue period and going to the dome and those those we had the best uniforms, I think, maybe in the history of pro football and you know, those baby blue oh, yeah. uniforms. Uh, can can you just describe what that was like during that time period? Oh, uh, it, it was it was it was tremendous. Um we were um, basically just the the Oilers were the thing, and yeah. and it was like um, you know you everybody it was it was it was the one time that it, that we finally with with the with the NFL I think that as the Oilers grew to be better and better, um, man they just made a big difference in our community uh, overall. But man the Oilers feel I still remember. I was at the game, the Miami Dolphin game, where the Howard Cosell was talking about the pom poms and, yeah, and yeah. all of that. And Earl Campbell runs and uh, runs that wide right and takes it right down the line. And that that big old football player is running a good. I guarantee you, he's running the he's running a good 10, 6, 100 yard dash. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. And yeah. we win the game, and it's just so much pride in this city when it came to the yeah. Oilers, but. You know, it, it was really hard during that period to get people to come to the games. And yeah. even though we were we were good, um, you still you still just didn't have a lot of just homegrown Houston Oilers fans. When they were good, you would see the fans out there, but you'd also see a good chunk of everybody else, you know? Yeah. And it was hard to find that. And, and uh, you know, I can remember – that corporations having to buy tickets just so we could watch the game on Sundays. People don't remember that. The blackouts. Yes. Yeah. The blackouts, you know, you didn't get to watch it at home. And uh, this is going to be an unpopular take. And I've taken flack on this before for mm -hmm. my fellow Houstonians. I'm a proud Houstonian. I support all the teams, but except for the Texans, um, we're a little bit of a fair weather sports city. We got a little bit of a problem as a fair weather sports city. I mean, the, People don't forget that the Minute Maid Park was empty years ago, laughably empty. And yeah. you, you have to be winning here. And I, yeah. I think of I think of my Houston or our Houston Cougars, their football team won 12 games last year, beat Auburn in a bowl game. 
a little right. bit of a rough season. TCU's empty. And granted, you got a very good basketball team playing across the way, and it's but it's, it's like Houston supports winners. And yeah. uh, I, I totally, I totally agree with you. And I, I remember I went to the last Texas game I went to. They're playing the Steelers. Coach, it felt like a Steelers home game. I mean, it was completely black yeah. and gold in there. And so you said, like you said, it's kind of always been like that for these these true diehard teams of the diehard fans. And so we, this is not Houston. Uh, it is what it is. Me personally, I, I I actively root against the Texans. I would like for the McNairs to sell because my reason is this. If you get a new owner in that's not linked to that name Texans, they like the name Texans because their father mm-hmm. came up with the name. I understand. Yeah. But, there's no reason why a new owner cannot come in, pick up the phone, call Amy Adams over there at the Tennessee Titans, say, hey, right. what do we need to do to buy the Oilers' intellectual property back? It's been right. done. The Browns, still the Browns. The Charlotte Hornets, they switched sure. from being the Bobcats to the Hornets. It can be done. <clears throat> got to pick up the phone. And I guarantee you, if they did that, if they became the Oilers again, you would see a boom in support. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. All right, Coach, the so last thing. We're going to play it. Well, for this one, I want to play a Mount Rushmore. So Mount okay. Rushmore is, you know, the four, you know, famous U.S. presidents. So we're going to do your Houston Oilers, Mount Rushmore. I want to know your four, fa- just favorite. Not You're not saying they're the best, but your favorite, your personal, Coach Hurtado, Mount Rushmore. And I noticed you, you're a Titans fan. I kind of was like <clears> that, too. The first couple <throat> years, right. I still love, you know, uh, Steve McNair and Eddie George and Frank Wycheck. So if there's a couple guys that played for the Titans, too, that played the Oilers, Bruce Matthews is another one. Um you can count them too, but I just like to know your four favorite Houston Oilers of all time. Wow, um, obviously Warren Moon. Um, Love it. Yeah, obviously Warren Moon. Uh, Elvin Bethea, sixty-five. He was. Uh, I want to say he was a left end, left tackle. Um, I just love great players. Uh, obviously, um, I have to say, boys, Ray Childress. Ray Childers. Childers, the Aggie, yeah. yep, yep. Uh, it was fun just watching him. He and Elvin Bethea played a lot of, a lot of life. Um, and obviously, how you, know, you can't leave Earl Campbell would have to be the other. Earl Campbell, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very so, good. I love it. I love it. So you got you have a thing for defensive line. I, you, you like that. And then, of course, you had your two stars in the backfield, Warren Moon yeah. and Earl Campbell. Man, that's but some good stuff. Duke soccer, I, I'm really – big on that i mean the grit and the hard play and it comes from that i just i love defense so um becoming better at the attacking part but that comes a lot from my football background so coach you're it's too funny man you're just like me because when i coached basketball i didn't really i was like hey i'm a football coach i'm i don't i'm not going to learn these correctly to learn these sets and everything we're not going to spend time on that so we practice defense hard we practice mm-hmm. our press, our half-court uh, sagging man-to-man defense, and our help side. We were very good defensively, and then I did kind of let them play a little bit on offense. I just right. played a system called blocker mover, you know, two, the big guy set screens, the guards move. But that, that, we didn't really have a, a real set right. <laughs> on offense. We just had a system. But I, I was just like you, man. I focused on defense. <laughs> That's the old I'm... football coaches in us, you know. Sometimes yeah, we just we do what we know. Right. <laughs> but anyway, but it, if y'all enjoyed this episode as much as, as I did, please take that 10 seconds. Give us that five-star rating. That drives up the charts so more people can hear. You leave a review, too, if you'd like to, and I'll read it on the show. Hit the follow button to subscribe and hear new episodes as soon as they come out each week. You can follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. You can hit us up at our email, teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com. We lift up our own here. If you want to email me and you you know a coach, we'll do it. I mean, 
uh, Caitlin Riley said, you got to get Jerry Hurtado on the show. And so we, we did it. And that's how we do it here. We're just finding like-minded people and we're getting together and just talking about sports. As always, the cover art music for the Team Player Podcast is provided by two of my former players. The cover art's by Kaiser St. Cyr. And our intro and exit music is One More Good Enough from Avrion's self-titled debut album. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Avrion. That's A-V-R-I-O-N. Coach Jerry Hurtado, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Man, I really appreciate you having me. I was excited all week. Thank you so much for having us. So appreciate yes, sir. it. Yes, sir. Okay. Pleasure's all mine. Pleasure's all mine. Thank Come you so much. To all park. The... <laughs> what, what's that? Come out and watch some Deer Park soccer when you can. We, we may have get we may get an Aldine Deer Park. I I could see that again. I, that will, I will definitely be there for that. That's some good uh, soccer. That, that missed penalty kick, I can't forget yeah. it. But we'll, I we'll, would love to see it again. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thank you so much sure. to all the team players out there for your support, and we'll catch y'all down the road. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind. Insuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind. Insuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough. But you be told I need some therapy. Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but